From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, nearly 200,000 Vermonters have already voted in the general election after the state mailed ballots to every registered active voter for the first time ever. The shift to mail-in voting has some people concerned about the integrity of the results. But both election experts and local officials on the front lines say the proper safeguards are in place. And if you vote, your vote will be counted. You are being transferred to town clerk. On Wednesday, I called over to the town offices in St. Johnsbury to hear how their preparations were going. What do your days look like right now, you know, two weeks ahead of Election Day? Um, well, we just collected taxes last Friday, so <laughs> it was a little crazy here. <laughs> this is Stacy Jewell, the town clerk. So daily, we're just, we're, as the ballots are coming in, we're receiving them into the computer in a batch. And then at the end of the day, we're printing the report and going through those ballots to um, reconcile them. Um, every single day to make sure what we put in the computer is, is what is in the box or vice versa. Got it. So it's just a lot of ballot handling. It is. Yep, there is. I mean, we still have a lot. Stacy said they're working out some kinks. Some people didn't get their ballots in the mail. Maybe they changed towns or got purged from the voter checklist. And Stacy's team is working those cases out. But she's also just hearing this generally heightened level of concern from her constituents. I do feel that people are really on edge about this election and that they're like getting really nervous that their ballot's not going to get counted or they're not going to be able to vote. And that's just, it's not the case. It's, it's truly not the case. They're going to get issued a ballot. Uh, they may have to come the day of the election and vote, um, depending on when they're requesting their ballot. So for them not to be to be freaked out about it. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think that anxiety is coming from? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's the news or the media or the, this is the first time Vermont has ever done a, a male, all male in election. Um, and there's just a lot of things that are different between mailing the ballots and, and COVID and, whether they come in person or they don't come in person. And it's just a, something new and different. Yeah. What do you tell those people? You know, if I come to you right now and say, I, I'm nervous that my ballot's not getting through, um, what's your answer? That they're more than welcome to come watch the process. It's, it's all public information. It's open to the public. They can come into the office at any time and look to see where their ballot is. They can be here the day we open them and process them through the machine. They can come watch the process the night um, of the election when we close the machines out and how all the ballots are sorted. And It's just all out there. It's all out there. There is nothing secret and there's nothing hidden. Everything, it's all public information and people can come and, and watch the process at, at any time. I took Stacy up on this. The next day, she got a team of local officials and volunteers together to officially start the election, 12 days before election day. Um, did you sign in? I did put an oath on the, on the signing sheet. This crew was there to start tabulating the 1,700 ballots the town had already received. They started with an oath. So the oath reads, 
on the sign-in sheet that I solemnly swear or affirm I will faithfully execute the office of assistant election official whereunto you have been duly appointed and therein do equal right and justice to all persons to the best of your abilities to help you God or under the pains and perjuries. <laughs> Everyone signed the oath, the first official piece of a long paper trail that would come out of this meeting. The second piece was this. That sound is a tabulating machine, the kind you'll see at most polling places in Vermont. Stacy explained to the group that it was printing what's called a zero tape, basically a four-foot-long receipt, which shows that no ballots have been run through this machine yet. And so everything is going to come through as a zero. We're going to have people um, sign off on the bottom of this. Stacy walked the whole group through the safeguards that would keep the machine from being tampered with. So everything is locked up. Um, and at the end of the day, everything is going to have tags like this on it or zip ties on it. So it'll be completely secure. And then it was time to start the actual work of slicing open ballot envelopes. Try to do your best to make sure they're at the bottom, that you don't cut the ballot in half. Slice it open. I want you to take it out and hand it to the person next to you. Like that. And then that person is to open it and flatten it out. This is all so that one person can run neat stacks of ballots through the tabulating machine. One of these ballot handlers was Kevin Adi, the chair of the town's board of civil authority. Well, I'm the chairman of the BCA, so I signed up for this two years ago. Um, been doing it for 25 years, probably. Believe in the election process. I believe that, you know, if you uh, don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. I asked Kevin how all this was going so far. The good part about this whole process this year is that they have decided that we can open these a little earlier so we can get a jump on it. Normally, in the past, we've opened um, all of the absentee ballots on voting day. And that can make it pretty hectic when we're doing that. This is giving uh, you guys kind of a head start. This gives us a head start. And um, I don't know how many ballots we've already received, but um, it's it's a lot. As Kevin opened envelopes, Sue Haney stacked the ballots. Sue had heard about the process and volunteered to help. Um, Well, I'm I'm a farmer, and I've got a break. (laughs) And I feel it's my civic duty. I know oftentimes people talk about voting as a civic duty, but that, you know, this seems like a step beyond. Why take that extra step? Well, think about it, you know, with everybody mailing in their votes. I think we need the help, and I, I like to help when I can, but I normally never get off my farm, so I guess I'm on vacation for a couple of hours. <laughs> Maybe I think of this as a vacation. I heard something similar from Stephanie Churchill. She's a justice of the peace, but she also just wants to make sure people's votes get counted. Um, It's part of my job, but it's also, um, I just want to be helpful to the town and make this election process go as smoothly as we can. Stephanie said she's heard the skepticism about this year's election, mostly from outside Vermont, and namely from President Donald Trump, who said that mail-in voting will lead to fraud. Not only is there no evidence of that, but Stephanie pointed out that this exact process run by local people with oaths and receipts and security systems. This is actually a pretty solid system. For what it's worth, 
that I have total faith in this, this election process. And I know the people who, who are working on ballots, and I don't question their integrity. Yeah. I've been doing this a long time. We, Stacy runs a tight ship. So there's faith that local administrators will do their jobs. The flip side is that what's happening in St. Jay might look different in another town or in another state. And because, as you might have heard, this is a presidential election year, even if everything goes great in Vermont, things could still get complicated in tallying up the presidential race. The biggest thing is that Americans shouldn't expect to see an election result on election night itself. Garrett Graff is a journalist based in Burlington. He's also a cybersecurity expert with the Aspen Institute, where he's been looking at the range of possibilities for this year's election. You know, we have gotten used to knowing who the victor is going to be by midnight, 1 a.m. on election night um, on the East Coast. And that that's quite possibly not going to be the case. And in fact, there are going to be a number of states, including three of the big battlegrounds, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, that are going to be counting slowly absentee ballots that you know might not be reporting results um, until Wednesday, Thursday, or even Friday. What Garrett argues, though, is that this is actually a positive thing. It means the system is working. The first and the biggest thing that people need to keep in mind is that a slow count is a good count, that there is no reason necessarily to believe you know, nefarious purposes or malfeasance in jurisdictions that are taking a while to count votes on election night. You know, that is, in fact, quite the opposite, that a slow vote in most jurisdictions means simply that they are accurately following the procedures that are in place for exactly this type of situation, um, and that the delay, what, what we think of as late results, is not actually late according to the official procedures. You know, just because a, a jurisdiction isn't reporting results until Wednesday or Thursday or, or even later doesn't mean that this is some, you know, old Chicago-style <laughs> vote-packing plot to throw in a bunch of dead people's votes. Um, you know, this is, this is election officials working through in a methodical manner exactly the processes uh, designed for something like this. Hmm. Similarly, it's really important to make sure that you understand the context of numbers that you're listening to. Um, you know, that there are all sorts of normal problems that unfold in the course of an election. You know, there are 220,000 individual polling places. And so even if, you know, 99.9% of America's polling places go absolutely smoothly, you're still going to be talking about hundreds of reports of power outages, of poll workers who overslept, of technology that doesn't work, of long lines, sort of things that look bad, but that don't necessarily mean that the election is being stolen or that the election is illegitimate. Well, I have to ask, too, I mean, are there things that people should be concerned about? I mean, are there any legitimate issues that could crop up on this election day because things are so different this year than they've been in past cycles? 
Yeah. So I think that there are all manner of reasons to be actually concerned about this election. You know, we're already seeing reports of foreign and domestic disinformation spreading around the election. The the president is a uniquely challenging individual in a moment of you know the exercise of democracy like this, as he is simultaneously asking supporters to show up and self-monitor at the polls, as well as saying that he you know may not accept the legitimacy of a loss. And that's really troubling. And I think sort of one of the biggest challenges coming into this election is that the incumbent president is uniquely disinclined to respect the democratic norms of a peaceful transition of power in the event of a loss. He has refused to commit to that. The vice president has refused to commit to that. And it's led to some really bonkers statements by people like the U.S. military saying, you know, that they don't intend to get involved in election disputes, which, uh, you know, obviously not. Like, why would you even need to say that? But this year, everyone is really on edge about what could happen, particularly in a moment of uncertainty in between Election Day and when a winner becomes clear. I asked Garrett to lay out the different scenarios here. He said the outcome with the most uncertainty could go well beyond election night and that we'd all be learning what he called the schoolhouse rock version of election procedures. You know, the unofficial (laughs) tallies that the media gathers on election night are not determinative. They're not necessarily complete. They are not the official results. Those are gathered by secretaries of state and election officials and unfold in a legally prescribed process uh, at the presidential level that leads to the meeting of the Electoral College, who officially vote for the president on December 14th this year. And then those Electoral College votes are actually turned over to Congress on January 6th to be certified. And it's only that congressional certification that officially creates a president-elect. So you might very well see in a close election where there are challenges in court over the eligibility of certain classes of ballots or certain types of ballots that officials stretch that vote counting out into November or even December. And that, you know, some states may not be final, you know, until very close to the end of the year. You know, from there, you end up in in a weird case of also sort of more outlandish, you know, doomsday scenarios of what happens if state election results don't get certified, you know, that there is no majority in the Electoral College and so on and so forth that could end up in a worst case scenario tossing this election to Congress. Uh, on January 6th before the House of Representatives to choose the president. So that's one kind of extreme version of how this could play out, of dragging on into December. What's kind of at the other end of the spectrum? Like, what, what's the other way that this could go? Yeah, so it, it depends a lot on uh, the margin of victory nationally. I think one of the oddities of this year is that the Trump campaign has effectively never made a case 
that it believes it will win the majority of the popular vote, that the scenarios under which Donald Trump would win are much more narrow electoral college victories, like what led him to the presidency in 2016, where Hillary Clinton beat him by 3 million votes in the popular vote, and Donald Trump still squeaked out the presidency in the electoral college. So In the event of a Donald Trump victory, we are unlikely to know that on election night, uh, just based on, uh, you know, polls and expectations for how this election is going to unfold. On the other end of that spectrum, we might have a very good sense that Joe Biden will be victorious on election night itself. Two early bellwether states, Florida and North Carolina, are likely to report quickly on election night itself. And that means, you know, the uh, North Carolina, for instance, is not that many electoral votes overall, but it would represent an important trend about how the rest of the election is going to unfold nationwide uh, and how other swing states might end up going. So you, you might actually have a sense relatively early by, say, midnight on Tuesday if Joe Biden is going to win easily enough to sort of shut down any controversy around the outcome of how individual votes and individual states actually go. Otherwise, you know, we are probably looking at an election where, you know, we're still waiting around Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe even past Saturday for how the election actually unfolds. Got it. I feel like I should ask you, given what you've talked about here, the way the pandemic has upended this, uh, the way that the president seems disinclined to uh, go by democratic norms here. What is not different this year? What's fundamentally unchanged about people's ability to cast a ballot in this election? Well, so one actually important and optimistic Uh, observation in this is that uh, in many ways, the U.S. electoral system is the best prepared and most resilient and most secure it ever has been in this election. Hmm. That if there was ever a moment for the election system to be uniquely challenged, it, it is good that it is 2020. Because after the Russian attack on the 2016 campaign, there has been an enormous effort by local, state, and federal officials at all levels um, pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into more resilient voting technologies, more secure systems, and uh, election officials coming into this year were already prepared for an unprecedented threat and unprecedented complexity you know, there's always more that they that could be done. You know, it would have been great if we'd spent billions of dollars on this and not just hundreds of millions of dollars on it. Mm-hmm. But the the U.S. electoral system writ large is resilient and it is decentralized. The strength and the weakness of the system in a moment like this is that it's all done at the local and state level. And so there are a lot of different systems and there's a lot of resiliency that you know would allow problems to unfold in one jurisdiction without necessarily affecting any neighboring jurisdictions. And the end result of that is that more ballots should be counted more accurately. More ballots will be counted more accurately and potentially more securely as well.
Vermont Secretary of State Jim Condos has repeatedly stressed the security of our state's election systems in recent weeks. He's also said that there's no evidence that mail-in voting leads to voter fraud. Condos says the real voter fraud is the attempt to roll back voting rights around the country. You can read more about this year's general election in our 2020 voter guide at vtdigger.org elections. If you want to vote early and haven't mailed your ballot yet, officials say it might be too late to put your ballot in the mail. So call your town clerk and get the details on dropping your ballot off. Lots of towns, including St. Johnsbury, have set up secure 24-hour drop boxes outside their town offices. Or you can vote in person on Election Day. That's Tuesday, November 3rd. Just keep in mind that masking and social distancing requirements will be in effect. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. See you then. <laughs>